Good morning, church. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with an expectant heart. Lord, I pray that you speak to us as we learn to put our love in action. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible with you or your Bible app, grab it right now and meet me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. We'll begin reading from verse 25 to 37. The Parable of the Good Samaritan. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the same place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But when a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set set. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will come again and I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So this morning's message is titled, Love in Action. As we just read from the scripture, there is this expert in the law, this lawyer, if you will, who approached Jesus. And he was testing Jesus, of course. And he said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And I like Jesus' response to him. Jesus does not answer his question immediately. But Jesus turns to him and he says, You're the expert. You have read the scripture. You have read the Torah. What is your interpretation of it? And this man answers correctly. He says, The scripture says, We should love our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Now you'll notice this is not the first time that this response has been used before. There was another expert who came testing Jesus, uh, as recorded in the gospel, who said, what is the greatest commandment? Which one is the greatest that if I keep Jesus, I'm all good? And the answer was the same as well. But for a matter of practicality, let us look at this lawyer's approach to Jesus. He's asking Jesus, he's saying, Jesus, what must I do? To inherit eternal life. 
We live in a time, in a season, where we have lots of questions. And I'm sure every day you and I wake up with each, each of us having new sets of questions, new set of things to wonder or even doubt about. And so this man comes to test Jesus because he wants to find what, is, what it is that he should do to inherit eternal life. Now, this man's question brings to memory the time when I moved from Uganda to the U.S. And I, started, um, and I was invited to speak to uh, the youth ministry in my church for the first time. I remember being in the youth pastor's office. And out of the window, again, this is five years ago, okay? I see these high schoolers and middle schoolers playing basketball. And one particular kid stood out for me. He was dunking over everyone else. Like, it just seemed so effortless for him. It was so easy. And quickly, my athletic mind was going, oh, wow, we have a star here. Like, this guy could be in the NBA. So, look at how he's crushing it, you know. And I turned to, to the youth pastor and I told him, he's a Lakers fan. I said, look at that kid. He's crushing it. He's dunking like he's amazing. And the youth pastor looks at me and goes, no, look again. Just look at look again. Look at the whole setting and tell me what you see. You see, what didn't occur to me was I was seeing them in action and I thought they were having a lovely basketball game where this kid was totally dominating. But as I looked closer, the hoop was not 10 feet high. The hoop had been lowered to about eight feet high. So no wonder this middle schooler was crashing it, right? This illustration has similar connotation to what this expert is asking Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, set the bar for us. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus turns to him and says, you know what the bar is. The bar is loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving our neighbors. Now, this is the part where the lawyer probably felt really good. Because look at the next verse. It says that he wanted to justify himself in verse 29. He said, who is my neighbor? Right? Now, it's not uncommon back in the day for people to travel and live in other parts of the country where their relatives and friends did not belong. However, majority of people lived in neighborhoods where they had their friends, their family, and their relatives. So this man is looking at Jesus and going, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Because if I look at my zip code, I've been really, really good. Like, I have maintained what it means to love my neighbor. But he's trying to throw a curveball to Jesus, and I love Jesus' response. He doesn't say, he doesn't answer him right away. But Jesus responds with a parable. So Jesus responds with a parable, and this parable would have shattered the minds of the people who were listening to it, because it was a parable unlike no other. And I'm pretty sure Maybe for most of you, this is not the first time you're hearing about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Actually, there's a phrase that I grew up hearing a lot. Like whenever some stranger helps someone else, 
they were referred to as the Good Samaritan. That's right. So, Jesus tells the parable of this Good Samaritan. Now, let me lay the back, a few backgrounds here. The Samaritans and the Jews, they were all descendants of Abraham. However, the Samaritans and the Jews, they, in, they did not have an agreement in the ways, I mean, in how and when and where to worship God. And not only that, what even made it worse was the Samaritans were also considered some sort of outcasts because they had intermarried with other people groups that were not God's chosen. So the Jews would have greater disdain for a Samaritan. So that is the setting for which Jesus brings this parable to life. He says there were three characters who interacted with a man who was on his way to Jericho. So this, so this, this man, I'm not counting him as a character, but he is, he's the prime character. This man, he's on his way to Jericho, and he gets waylaid. They rob him, they beat him, he's bleeding, they take, off, take away his money and clothes, and he's left half dead. And so, along comes the priest. The priest looks at the man who is struggling for life. And what does the priest do? He walks on the other side of the road. The same happens to the Levite, right? He comes, he sees the man. The priest and the Levite both acknowledge that there's a man in need, and yet they choose to walk away. Now, again, if you understand the cultural impl implication, this lawyer would have understood the role of a priest and a Levite, that they were there to present people before God. So maybe on their way to the temple, as the book of Leviticus records, and as the laws and the prophets also record in the Bible, there were specific rituals or things that a priest or a Levite could not come in contact with if they wanted to go and present people before God. And one of them was touching or encountering someone who is dead or blood in general. So you could justify and say, well, they had, they had something to do, right? They needed to go to the temple and pray to God. So they were doing their part to make sure that they were ritually clean to appear before God. Now, if this story happened in our day and age, guess what would have happened? We would have all been on, on, our, on our phones, tweeting our thumbs away, canceling the man, these two men. How dare they walk past someone who is injured and not do something about it? The Levite should be fired. The priest should be canceled. This is what we would be doing in our day and age. Now, I'm not saying what they did was justifiable. But coming back to this story of loving God and loving our neighbor, Jesus is already hinting at something. He's saying loving God is the foundation. It's not the ceiling. It's the foundation. The basis for our faith, the foundation of our faith, is based on loving God. But the other law that's equal to it is loving our neighbor. What I find interesting is when you look at the interaction with, uh, that the Pharisees or the teachers of the law had with Jesus, there was a point where Jesus said, 
you guys are getting mad because so-and-so got healed on the Sabbath, and yet you, when your donkey falls on a well, you're willing to put all that work and energy to pull them out, but yet you are filled with disdain and contempt for someone who got healed on the Sabbath. Like Jesus was trying to point out this hypocrisy that uh, had been, had enveloped in the minds of the religious people. So, these religious people, the expert included, they were more inclined to stick with the letter of the law. But Jesus is telling this story to reveal the heart behind the law. So we see these two characters clearly, they pass by. They're more concerned about their outward appearance or their acts of worship to God more than their acts of loving their neighbor. So this Samaritan, as we see, he's the third character. He shows up and when he sees him, this man who has been waylaid, robbed and who is naked and struggling for life, he does not walk on the other side. So Jesus' story at this point, this is where it takes a turning point. Because the Samaritan, he doesn't just love from a distance. He puts his love in action. Now, what is love in action? For me, my personal interpretation of love in action is the act of service. Now, when you look at the dictionary, what the definition of serving is, it means to help someone or the act of doing something for someone. But Jesus, in this story, he flips the script. He says, let's re redefine serving because serving is love in action. And Jesus himself would bear witness to this. Now, there are three things that I would love for us to learn from the story of the Good Samaritan that might help us in this season. And these three things, I kind of want to peel them layer by layer, like an onion. But this time, instead of starting it from the outside, we'll start from the inside. So in verse 33, it says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. For us to put our love in action in this season. If we want to get through this season, we need to be moved by compassion. So that's the first thing. The, in, the innermost layer of love in action is compassion. The other two characters that we saw, the priest and the Levite, they were not moved by compassion. They were moved by their obligation. Obligation to fulfilling what they think what they were called to do. And Jesus was saying, that, my friend, is just skipping over a foundation. That is not the bar that we should attain. There is nothing wrong with loving God. There's nothing wrong with serving him and putting him ahead. But equally as important is we love God, yes, but the demonstration of our love for God is seen in how we love our neighbors. So as you look around you, you should be asking yourself, what kind of neighbor am I? 
who is my neighbor? And with everything that's been going on with the pandemic, with the racial injustices that have been occurring in this country, the politics that has been polarizing the people, police brutality or attacks on the police themselves, and the fire that has been raging in the western states of the United States and other parts of the world, the things that are confronting us, when we look at the lens through which life is bringing, bombarding us with so many things, we need to be asking ourselves, how can we show up to our neighbors? Yes, your neighbor could be the person that lives next door, but to be honest, here in America, you hardly even know your next door neighbor's name unless the mail is delivered accidentally to your porch, right? Your neighbor is not just someone who lives within the same zip code. Your, Jesus challenges the definition of who a neighbor is because your neighbor, clearly as we, we see from the story, is not someone who looks like you, who lives like you, or even votes like you. A neighbor comes in different um, shape and form. So if we're going to show up as believers to our neighbors, we should be moved by compassion. And as we just read, the Samaritan was moved by compassion. Jesus himself embodied this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 that when Jesus, when he would walk from one village or town to the next to share the gospel, to bring the good news, he would heal the sick, the lame would walk, the blind would see. Before he fed the 5,000 men, Matthew records for us, he says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, in his ministry, was moved by compassion. Church, we need to be moved by compassion in this season. How are we going to get through this season, this very tough time? How are we going to cope with the election result and everything that's, that's crazy and happening around us in 2020? We will get through this when we get our love in action. And the innermost thing at the core of our love in action is us being moved by compassion, just like Jesus was. You and I are called to be compassionate people. What are some of the practical ways that you can be compassionate in this season? What are ways that you can show up in your family, at school, at your workplace, to the, your neighbors and people around you in your community? How can you show up with a heart of compassion? Because everything that we do, if its foundation is not in compassion, then everything we're doing is just for a show. So remember that a little compassion goes a long way. The second thing that we will learn from this Samaritan in verse 34, it says, He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set, it, set, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The three characters, the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan, they both acknowledge a man in need of help from this parable. 
But what sets them apart is that the Samaritan, he didn't just acknowledge from a distance. He was not just moved by compassion and said, oh no, this is really sad. Look at him, he's beaten, he's wounded. He didn't just pull up his phone and start tweeting about it or sharing on Facebook how terrible this man, man's life has been ruined by these thieves and robbers. The Bible says he was proactive. He went and bandaged his wound. Now again, from the cultural context, the fact that this man bandaged the wounds, the Samaritan bandaged the wounds of the man who was struggling for life, that alone would have deserved the biggest applause you would have ever heard or seen. The fact that he poured oil and wine and treated him, he would have gone above and beyond what was normally expected of him. And all of this would have been great. The fact that he sat in on his own donkey and took him to an inn. Oh my goodness, this guy should have won the biggest award there is for compassion and loving. Like, he would have won the Nobel Peace Prize, if I may, if I may put it that way. Because he went beyond, above and beyond what was expected of him. But that's the thing. He's not doing this for a show. We've talked before that we need to be moved by compassion. But listen, compassion without action is just pity. Jesus is not talking about a man who showed up and threw a pity party for some guy who got waylaid on the highway and was robbed. See, that's the thing. As Christians, it's easy for us to, to sympathize, right? We look at um, the killing of people of color or the marginalization of people uh, or even the police being attacked. And what do we do? We are very good at sympathizing with them. Oh, we feel sorry. That was just wrong. It's bad. But when was the last time you were moved to action? That you said, not on my watch, not on our watch, as a, as a community of believers, not on our watch, will our neighbors be treated this way? Not on our watch, will people be irresponsible? Not on our watch, and do something about it. Because the Samaritan was moved to action. Jesus, in his ministry, did the same thing. He would move into action. Now, one thing that I love about Jesus is, there's another parable that he told in Matthew chapter 25. The parable of the sheep and the goats, right? If you remember that parable. You know, he said, when the Son of Man comes from heaven, he will separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will be on his right and the goat on the left. And he's going to turn to the sheep and say, Come into my kingdom. Feast. Enjoy. Because you've been good and faithful. In verse 37, this sheep will ask him. The righteous will ask him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? And we fed you. When did we see you thirsty? And we gave you something to drink. When did we see you as a stranger or an alien or an immigrant, and we, took us and, and we took you in. When did we see you naked and we clothed you? When did we see you sick and cared for you? When did we see you in prison and we visited you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brethren, 
you have done to me. Did you hear did you hear that part? Jesus said whatever you do to the least of these you've done it unto me. Whatever you do to the least in this society you're doing it unto God. No matter how small that action is. Whatever you do when your compassion shows up in action you are doing it unto the Lord. One thing that really encourages me is when I see the church get proactive. And I'm talking about days pre-COVID, right? Where I've seen some of your youth go serve the homeless people. I've seen some members of this church use the skills and the calling that God has given them in their profession to fight for justice, to bring love in action. This is what God is calling us to because God is a God of love. God is a God of compassion. And he wants us to walk humbly before him, but more importantly, for us to demonstrate his love to our neighbors, not just by the things we say, but the things we do. So, the Samaritan shows up and he does something. He's proactive. What are ways that you can be proactive in this season and safely, right? We need to be safe. COVID is still out there. The third thing that we will learn from the Samaritan, when you, if you turn with me to verse 30, 35, it says, On the next day, when he departed, he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So the Samaritan, not only does this show compassion, but he's also moved into action. And right when he's about to be done with his, you know, with his business of being within uh, this, he has to move on with his business, he turns to the innkeeper and gives him two denarii. And he says, take care of this man. Whatever you spend extra, I'll come repay you. So this, this, is, this is an equivalent in today's age of a Samaritan taking this man to a hospital, takes him to ER, and puts down his credit card and says, whatever it takes for this man to get well, charge it on my card. What is this Samaritan doing here? He's empowering the innkeeper. He's providing the innkeeper resources for him to be able to continue providing care for a man in need. So the first layer that we saw was compassion. It's a little compassion goes a long way and compassion should be at the heart of everything we do if we are going to be good neighbors. But on top of that, we need to be proactive. And finally, a good neighbor empowers other people to continue caring and loving the people that God brings their way. So the, the innkeeper felt empowered. He felt he was given the resources to be able to continue providing care for someone who needed help. Now I know in this pandemic season, many of us are wondering, how can we show up? Yeah, maybe physically we can't do much because of social distancing, because of safety and respect for those who are vulnerable. But there's something that we can do. 
we can empower each other. A good neighbor empowers others. A good believer who sets his love in action empowers each other. Think of it. If we empowered everyone in this season, imagine if we affirmed each other. Imagine if we went beyond just our normal Zoom Zoom calls or just that exchange of text messages and actually were intentional with reaching out and encouraging and empowering people around us. What a difference that would make. We in the season can give our time, our treasure and talent to empower the work of Christ in our neighborhoods. We can empower each other in the season like the Samaritan did. So, for our love to show up in action in this season, let us be compassionate. Let us be proactive. And let us empower each other. For his glory. Amen.